Would you be seated this morning? Thank you for worshiping with us today. And if you're a guest here today, I am uh, John, and I am blessed to be the pastor here at Hallmark. And uh, I want to say real quickly, as you are uh, um, maybe still shopping for Christmas, this is my, my shameless plug for my brother. How many of you have some New Year's resolutions? Anybody ever set some New Year's resolutions? Uh, how many of you do that? Raise your hand. How many of you are, uh, your goal this year is not to set any New Year's resolutions? Anyone like that? All right. So I actually set a bunch of goals this year about a month ago. Uh, now as we're approaching the new year, it really scares me that I wrote down too many goals. Uh, but we'll, we'll try. One of my goals for the, about five years now has been to write a book. And uh, my brother beat me to it. And so now I am even more encouraged to write a book. So this book is a great book about breakthrough. And it's really, uh, a lot of this is a story about our family and some of the issues that, that uh, some of our family had and how God broke through for them. And so my dad is humbly going to sit out there and sell these after church, if you like one that my uh, brother wrote. Uh, and again, I appreciate you being here today. Open your Bible to Luke. Luke chapter 1, and we are going to continue our series, our Advent series, as uh, we are in week 3, and uh, wow, I cannot believe, uh, Ben mentioned Christmas is right around the corner. How many of you have all your shopping done? Okay, raise your hand, I don't like any of you, but how many have a lot of shopping left? Okay. These are my peeps right here, all right? I, uh, I told our Discover Hallmark class this morning that I, I gave them the total of my shopping uh, items that I've already purchased, and it's zero, all right? Zero. So pray for my wife and uh, pray for me, all right? So Luke chapter 1, and again, this is week 3. I'm going to give you just a quick uh, review about where we've been. Uh, again, as we talk about Advent, it really just means arrival, right? So the first Advent is about the first arrival of Christ, Jesus the Messiah, the one we just sang about, the one that we're here to worship. And of course, we're, we, we look back on the first coming of Christ and we look forward to the second coming of Christ. And so as we think about the Advent, we want to think about the coming of Christ. And we asked the question the first week when we... we lit the first candle, which represents hope. And we made this statement, the message of Christ, this is in your bulletin, if you don't have your bulletin, I would encourage you to get it. It's the message, uh, the message of Christmas is sufficient to take, to take care of hopelessness of mankind. And, and we talked about, in Luke chapter 1, the first 25 verses give us a story about Zacharias and Elizabeth, and Zacharias and Elizabeth were in a hopeless situation. The nation of Israel was also in a hopeless situation situation. For 400 years, they had not heard from God. And for 400 years, the last thing they heard from God was the promise of the Messiah. And so for 400 years, they're waiting and they're waiting. And many of those lost hope. Zechariah and Elizabeth had not lost hope and they were still serving faithfully God. And Zacharias was a priest, but they personally had lost hope because it says there in the first few verses of Luke chapter one, that they were uh, well advanced in years, right? So they were old, and, and it doesn't give us the age, so I'm glad for that because it could be any age, right? They were just old, and apparently they were old enough that 
they shouldn't have any children. In fact, the angel said that nothing with God is impossible. And so it was, you know, humanly speaking, impossible at this point because of her age for Elizabeth to have a child, and they were hopeless. And we understand that when, when God shows up, he brings hope with him. Aren't, aren't you thankful for that? And so the hopelessness is shattered when God shows up. Week number two, we, again, this is on your outline. We talked about peace prevails. This was last Sunday, and we asked this question. How can peace prevail inside of you when chaos seems to, preva- to be prevailing on the outside of you? And Mary, we looked in Matt, uh, Luke chapter 1, really verses 26 through 45, and, and Mary's life completely got turned upside down, right? Her life, as we termed last week, all of a sudden became chaos. It was chaotic. And, and how can we have peace? So we asked this question. Here's the statement we, we landed on. Peace is not dependent on my circumstances. Peace is dependent on a person. And so Mary had uh, enough faith to get her eyes off of her circumstances. And even though her life was chaos, all of a sudden she realized that she could have peace in the storm. She could have peace in the, the, the understanding of her difficult circumstances because her peace was dependent on a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And so the, the encouragement for us this morning is the same, that, that sometimes, uh, really statistics tell us that, that one of the most depressing times of the calendar year is the holidays. The one of the most depressing times because a lot of us have lost loved ones, and maybe this is the first year without, and maybe, maybe this brings back memories of, of loss, and, and there's all kinds of reasons that we feel maybe hopeless or a lack of peace in our life at this time of year. And, and so the, the encouragement for us from Scripture is that despite our circumstances, we can have peace if we have Jesus. So we're going to continue that thought, that, that question. We're going we're to kind of build on that question this morning. Uh, so today in your bulletin, you have there the question about joy. And we're going we're gonna to read in a moment the uh, the text but look at the statement here it's on your bulletin joy abounds the title of the message and it says another question here how can joy abound in the midst of difficult circumstances how can I have joy in my life again this is a similar question that we asked last week but this question is going to kind of guide the message this morning and we're going to light our third uh, candle this morning the third candle if you haven't figured out is about joy and the third candle is the pink candle and we have a reader for us so I'm gonna ask Bobby if he'd come on up here Bobby you want to make your way up here and Bobby is going to read for us and and uh, Bobby uh, recently this past year actually him and his brother Zach along with their mom Hewitt got saved and got baptized here at Hallmark and dad was watching from the other side of the world while he was working on Facebook and then dad came back and he also got baptized this year as well and so Appreciate it, Bobby. If you were here Wednesday night for our kids program, kids did an amazing job. All the teachers and workers had them well prepared, and Bobby was one of our actors in there. And uh, so, Bobby, would you read for us this morning? The things we get for Christmas will not last as long as the things we get from Christmas. We finish our Christmas treats, get bored with our Christmas toys, and grow out of our Christmas clothes. But the things we get from Christ this Christmas and always Hope, peace, joy, and love will go with us all our life. Today we light the shepherd's candle 
which represents joy. Luke 2, 8 through 11. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. We light this candle for joy. A candle is burning, a candle of joy, a warm glow to welcome brave Mary's new boy. Good life is now being unfurled, God's promise of joy to an unexpected world. Very good, Bobby. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. You can have a seat, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bobby. And, uh, man, we got some great readers, don't we? They're awesome. They all did a great job. And now let's see if I can get a light this, right? So again, this is the candle of joy. Last week we talked about the candle of peace. I'll go ahead and light that. And uh, the first week we talked about hope. Peace, joy, and hope. And I want to encourage you, as already Ben already did, to join us next Sunday, 10 o'clock in the atrium. And then we're going to be talking about the candle of love. But let's look at Luke chapter number 1. And before we get to our actual text this morning, we're going to focus in on verses 46 through fifty through 56, but I want to read a few verses. Let's let's skip up to verse number 39 and give a little more context. We read this last week, but let's give some context for what we're going to read and what we're going to look at this morning, all right? So Luke chapter 1, verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, all right? So remember, the angel came to Mary and told her that she was going to have a baby, and she was like, how can I have a baby? I'm not married yet, right? We won't go into any more details because we have our kids in here, but you understand what we're going, right? And so how is this possible? Remember what the angel said, with God, nothing is impossible. And then the angel told her, in fact, Mary, or excuse me, Elizabeth, your relative, you know, Elizabeth, the one that's known that as barren, she is also going to have a child. And so it triggered something in Mary's mind, I think, to let's, let me go talk to Elizabeth. Because remember, Mary's life is completely turned upside down right now. Like, so she had her life planned. She was, gonna, she was already engaged to Joseph. She's waiting for Joseph. Joseph had went home to his parents' house to build a house for them. He was going to come get her. They were going to have the ceremony and then live happily ever after, right? And so everything that this Jewish girl expected her life to be when the angel showed up, was not what she was expecting. But the angel gave her this understanding. Your relative, Elizabeth, a miracle has also happened in her life. And so I think that's why Mary decided, i got to go talk to Elizabeth. She's the only one that's going to know, and she's the only one that's going to understand my emotions. Verse 40, Mary entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, The babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that I, the mother of my Lord, should come to me? And so Elizabeth acknowledges Jesus. You see what she's saying there? She's saying, Why am I so blessed that the mother, which is Mary, of my Lord, who is Jesus, would come visit me? 
And the Holy Spirit had revealed to Elizabeth that this was the promised one. This was the fulfillment of what her son was going to point to. Her son that was now six months that said leaped in her womb, right? And, and I'm not a woman, a, a lady. I have no idea what that feels like. But some of you might know what that feels like, right? And the baby leaps in her womb. And again, it's confirmation for Mary that as she arrives on the scene, that Elizabeth says, Mary, whatever the angel told you, believe. The Holy Spirit has revealed to me that this is the Lord. This is the Messiah. These 400 years that are that our family has told us the Messiah is coming. And, and, and you, you get the sense of humility of Elizabeth to say, who am I that the mother of my Lord would enter into my presence? And that humility, that understanding of, of knowing who Christ is, we should never get over that. Think for a moment today there are people all over the world who've never heard the name of Jesus. Th think about that for a moment. And how easily that we get distracted by things that really don't matter. When what we should always go back to is to think, how blessed am I that someone told me about Jesus? Let's keep reading. Let's look at uh, verse 42, uh, excuse me, verse 43. But why is this gra grand to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? Verse 44, for indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded on my ears, the baby leaped to my womb. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be fulfillment of those things which were told from her Lord. And so Mary hears this great news. And so just think for a moment as she's heard from the angel. And the angel says, you're going to have a baby. How is that possible? With, no with God, nothing is impossible. And so Think of all the conversations that Mary now has to have. And, and I'm not sure exactly the timeline here because it says she went with haste to go talk to Elizabeth. But at some point, she's going to have to tell her husband that she's engaged to that she's going to have a baby. And that's going to be a really weird conversation, right? And she's also going to have to tell her parents. And she's going to have to explain to them, no, now I know what you're thinking, but this is what happened. The angel of the Lord came to me, and, and so she goes to Elizabeth, and she gets confirmation of that. And it says at the last verse we're going to read this morning that she stayed for three months with Elizabeth. And I assume that she stayed for three months with Elizabeth to see John be born. But what is her response going to be? We saw last week that in the midst of difficult circumstances, remember what she said? Let it be unto me as you have said. Whatever God's will is for my life. And so even in the midst of her chaos, she's like, I'm going to have peace. I'm going to rest in God. And I'm going to surrender my life to God. And, and let's be real this morning. That's not always easy, is it? In fact, some of you, I am sure, this morning have some very difficult circumstances that you're going through right now. And one of the hardest things to do in difficult times is just to say, God, I trust you. I'm not going to worry about it. We looked at Philippians 4, verse 6 last week. Remember, pray, uh, worry about nothing, pray about everything, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts through Christ Jesus. And that's a great verse to quote. But let's be real. It's a whole lot easier to quote it than to live it. And Mary realized, God, I don't understand. She didn't have all the questions answered. She didn't even know all the questions she had yet to ask. She runs to Elizabeth, 
and she gets confirmation. She has peace, but this next few verses we're going to read, verses 46 through 55, are known as the Magnificent. This is the song of Mary. Not only can Mary have peace in difficult circumstances, but she can also have joy. She can have joy in her Lord. Let's read it, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. I would encourage you as we read through this, or maybe as you go back this week and read it, uh, circle all the, the times that Mary says he has. Acknowledging that God is in control, acknowledging that God is sovereign, acknowledging that God is, is good. Let's read verse 48 again. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. I want to encourage you, if you don't have a pen, you probably should. There's one in the pew right there in front of you. And I want to encourage you just to write a, a word out on this scripture. And we're going to go back through it, but this is going to help you as we go back through the outline, all right? So Mary acknowledges it's God, it is he, and he is, people are going to call me blessed. Verse 49, for he who is mighty has, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Two words there. The first one is that Mary's acknowledging, acknowledging God's power. I would just write power out there to the side of verse 49. She also acknowledges that God is holy. I would just write out holy there on verse 49. For God's powerful and God is holy. And that understanding of holy there is, is not just what we would think of holy as set apart, but it's also understanding that he is morally good. There is no wrong in him. That he is perfect and he is holy and he is good. Let's keep reading verse 50. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. So I'd write out in the margin there, verse 50, just write the word mercy. And as you write that, just, just think for a moment how thankful, how grateful we are and should be for the mercy of God in our life. Verse 51, he has shown strength in his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and, his, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servants Israel in remembrance again of his mercy. And I would just write there, anywhere really between 51 and 54, the word just. I'm glad God is a just God. I'm glad not only is God just, but God is merciful. Verse 55, and he spoke to our fathers excuse me, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And then it says in verse 56, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. So out there beside 54 and 55, write the word faithful. So as we think about this song of Mary, these words that, that Mary is saying, and she's acknowledging, she's recognizing, God, you're powerful. God, you're holy. God, you are merciful. God, you are a God of justice. And God, you are a faithful God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. God is powerful, merciful, holy, just, and faithful. So let's answer the question we've asked, right? The question is, how is it we can have joy even though when life is just like not how we want it? Because number one here, what Mary does, joy abounds when we count our blessings. Joy abounds when we count our blessings. You guys remember that song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them? 
Count your blessings, see what God... Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. We don't, we don't spend enough time counting our blessings, do we? We don't spend enough time being grateful for what God is. Listen to this statement by William Penn, the secret of happiness. This is, that's, that's a good start to a sentence, right? The secret of happiness is to count your blessings while others are adding up their troubles. Let me read it again. This is by William Penn. The secret of happiness is to count your blessings while others are adding up their troubles. Isn't it so much easier to count your problems than to count your blessings? Or to count your burdens, not your blessings? Let's spend more time this year counting our blessings, not our burdens. Because God has been faithful, hasn't he? Think for a moment in your life. How has God blessed you? You know, God started blessing me in my life before I was ever born. I'd say my, the blessings of my life, if I could pinpoint one particular situation in history of my life that led up to me knowing and following Jesus, probably best I know from my family history would go back uh, to the 1930s. And there was this little junior high girl that walked with my grandma to, church, uh, to school every day. And this junior high girl invited my grandma to church. And because my grandma went to church, she gave her life to Christ. Because she gave her life to Christ, she raised two kids to know and follow Jesus. We, we, we do not spend enough time counting our blessings. In about 20 days, several of us from church, there's, there's a total of about 34 of us, I think, that are, that are going to go to Kenya. We leave January 2nd. It'll be my fifth time to go, and I'm excited to go back. Ten years ago was the first time I went to Kenya, and it gave me a new perspective. There's people all over the world who will never sit in a heated room or air-conditioned room if we need it. Probably need that next week. Who have never heard the name of Jesus. And, sh and shame on me for not getting up every single day and counting my blessings. Let's quit. Uh, you, you've heard it said, right, that oftentimes we, we uh, glare at our problems and we glance at God when we should glance at our problems and glare at God. What do you spend your time focusing on? Your burdens or your blessings? Because here's, let's be honest this morning, every one of us this morning walked in here with some burdens. Right? Some of you have some really heavy burdens today. Some of you had some really heavy burdens this year. It's, it's been a difficult year for some of you, hasn't it? So we have to make a choice. I mean, think about this song for a minute that Mary writes. Mary still, it seems, it seems from the text, she still has to have a conversation with Joseph. 
It seems like she's still going to have a conversation with her parents. Do you think Mary had some burdens in her life? Not only that, so we really can't understand culturally what the rest of her life is going to look like. When she sat there at the foot of the cross and she watched her son be crucified, do you know that the religious people were still looking at Mary as, yeah, see, that story you gave everyone, the angel, that's not true. For, the, for her entire life, Mary lived with stigma. She carried the burden of that cross, too. And if God could ask her to carry that burden, could we assume that God will not also ask us to carry burdens? But let's, let's focus not on our burdens. Let's focus on our blessings. You're sitting probably with your Bible, maybe in a digital form, in a climate-controlled auditorium. Half of you think it's too hot, half of you think it's too cold. It doesn't really matter, right? You're just saying about the gospel. The greatest gift you could ever been given, everyone in this room has heard it. Let's count our blessings. Let's walk through the text a little more and, and uh, as we think about the character of God. So number two, joy abounds when we trust in God's character. So again, Mary's got all these questions, but she's just going to have to trust. It's going to go back to what she said earlier when the angel talked to her. Well, I'm just going to submit to whatever God, let it be to me whatever you've said. Whatever God wants, I'm okay with that. And we're going to have to come to a point in our life, and sometimes this decision in our life it has to be a daily decision. Like, I'm going to wake up today, and in spite of my burdens, in spite of my problems, I'm going to trust that God is who he says he is, and that God is in control, and that God is good. So let's look at this. We, we had you fill this out, right, as you wrote on the, the side of your text there. Number one, Mary had confidence in the power of God. Do you believe that God has all power? Yes or no? Do you believe God has all power? Yes. Colossians 1, verse 16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, in all things were created through him and for him. I love 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, for all that is in the heavens and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted above, as head above all. I'm going to ask you one more time. Do you believe God has all power? And Mary believed the same thing. And that's how can Mary, in the midst of unbelievable situation, literally unbelievable situation, right? Not only could she have peace, but she could have joy. She could praise her Savior. She could praise her Lord. The next one it was the holiness, right? Verse 49, we talked about his holiness and the power of God. And I, I mentioned how this holiness is this understanding of not just that God is holy and set apart and pure, but also that he is good, that he's morally right, that he doesn't make mistakes. Aren't you glad that God doesn't make mistakes? Because if we served a God who had all power but could make mistakes... That would not be a God I would want to follow. That would not be a God I would want to serve. And so God not only has all power, but he's 
holy and righteous and good. And that's why Joseph could stand in, in, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Remember all the things that happened in Joseph's life, and his brother sold him into slavery, and they wanted to kill him, but God saved him. And then he is promoted, and then the, 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 light, the lady lies, and he goes back to prison. And then the butler, they forget him, right? And he's still in prison waiting. And then his brothers come back all these years later. And look what Genesis 50, verse 20 says. And this is Joseph talking to his brothers, and this is what Joseph understood. God is all-powerful, and God is holy. God is good. For, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. That's a tough place to come to. Think of all the things that Joseph endured. But he comes to the point and the realization, the trust, God, and his character, that God has all power, and God is holy and good. What you meant... But God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it to this day, to save this many people alive. That's trust. So do you trust that God has all power? And, and the second part of that is, do you trust that God is good? It's one thing for him to be all powerful. It's another thing to believe that God is perfectly holy and good and righteous and does not make mistakes. Do you believe that God is good? Amen. If you believe that God is all-powerful and God is always right and good, then it puts a different perspective on what you're dealing with. Because what someone may have meant for harm, God can bring glory out of it. Mary prays the Lord even in difficult circumstances. The next one is the mercy of God. Twice it mentions the mercy of God, and I, I love Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're just going to look at verses 4 and 5 on the screen. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. I said we're going to just look at verse 4 and 5, but I can't stop there. Turn with me to Ephesians, all right? Turn with me to Ephesians real quick. Because it says in the verse 4, but God. So let, let's figure out what he's talking about, okay? We, we have to look at the context here. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 1 through 3. Ephesians 2 verse 1. And you made, and you he made alive. This is talking to believers, right? Who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's talking to anyone who's not a believer in Jesus Christ. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the power of darkness of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom all we all conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. In other words, the first three verses say, we without God are dead to God. We're dead in our sins. That's, that's a heavy thought this morning. It's, and it's not just a thought, it's a truth. For you in here this morning, if, if you've never come to Christ and received his grace through faith, what Paul is saying here in the first three verses is you were dead in your sins. And if you die dead in your sins, you will spend an eternity in a place called hell. 
So hearing the bad news, which that is terrible news. Let's read verses 4 and 5 again now. But God, who is rich in his mercy, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespass and sin, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Isn't that good news? And that's what the rest of the verse, if you look down in the text, verse 8, for by grace you've been saved, it's through faith and not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so Mary is reminded of the mercy of God. And I'm thankful for the mercy of God. The next thing she talks about then, let's keep going down, is the justice of God. That God is just and that God is righteous. Here's the understanding of the justice of God is that because God is just, remember what he told Adam and Eve in the garden? If you eat of the fruit, you shall surely what? Die. That was the punishment. Did Adam and Eve eat of the fruit? They did. So what, God, what must God do now? He must, because he is just, because he is righteous, and because he is holy, he must keep his word. God cannot lie. And this passage we just read in Ephesians, that's God keeping his word. We are dead in our sins. And unless we come to Jesus and receive his grace through faith, we will die and spend an eternity in a place called hell. Because God is just. That's what when we talk about Romans 3.23, Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means all are dead in their sins. But Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is what? Death. Just like it was for Adam and Eve. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You see, the good news is so much better when you realize what the bad news is. When you realize that I'm dead in my sins and there's nothing I can do to get to God, then the good news that Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life, hung on a cross to pay the penalty of my sin dead so that God could keep his word and be the just God that he is and make a payment for my sin that if I call on the name of Jesus Christ, I will be saved. That's the news of the Advent. That's the news of Christmas. That's why Mary, in spite of difficult circumstances, could still have joy. No matter how bad things get on this life, in this world, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the reward is greater than anything on this earth could. Isn't that what Paul said? In Romans, this present suffering doesn't compare to future glory. And Mary realized, I'm glad God is just. And the reason that I am carrying this baby, Jesus, is because God is just. But not only because God is just, but God is, is merciful. Amen. The last one she acknowledges that God is faithful. She acknowledges this is this baby in my womb, this is a promise, a fulfillment of the promise that God gave Abraham. God is faithful. I said this a few months ago, and I've said it several times. 
Hallmark is blessed to have uh, people of all generations and all ages. And one of the great things I like to do is to sit with some of our older folks and just let them tell me how faithful God has been. Uh, yesterday, I was, I was sitting with, with Jan Stewart, and Jan uh, is 90 years old. And she's in a rehab facility right now. She fell. They thought she broke her neck. Praise God, she didn't. But I'm sitting there with her, and she just can't help but tell me how good God is. And I thought, if, I'm, if I was sitting in her seat, I think I'd be counting my burdens, not my blessings. But I'm thankful that there's many people in this church that are an example to me just like Mary was in in Luke chapter 1, to count my blessings, not my burdens. The last part of our outline this morning, our joy is in the direct proportion to how much we know and how much we believe about God. How much we know and how much we believe about God. So there's a simple question here on the bulletin. I I think I know the answer to all this. I think I know how you're going to answer this first question. Do you want joy? Yes or no? The next two questions. Do you know and trust Jesus? And if you don't, that's your first step to joy. Simply place your faith in Jesus. The verse we read, for by grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift. The true gift of Christmas, it's joy, but that joy comes in the person of Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to have a time of invitation. And this second question, if you can't say yes to that, I'm going to ask you in a moment when we stand if you would walk to the front. There's going to be several of us. We're going to be standing here. We're going to be facing you. And if you'd like to know and trust Jesus, I'm going to encourage you to walk forward in a moment, shake one of our hands, and simply say, I want joy in my life. The next question, are you growing in your knowledge and faith in Jesus? So if joy is dependent on how much I know and believe about Jesus, if I want more joy, if I want to be joyful, I should be on a journey to pursue Jesus every day. He's the one that brings joy. Because my joy is not dependent on my circumstances. My joy is dependent on a person. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? I'm going to ask Ben and the team to come this morning. I want to ask a question today. Is there anybody in here this morning that would say, John, that's me. Yes, I want joy. The second question, though, was do I know and trust Jesus? And I'm not sure I've ever done that. Maybe this morning you're sitting here like, I'm not even sure how to do that. And and if that's you this morning, you you know you've never done that. Or maybe you're not sure how to do that. I'm grateful you're here this morning. Because there's people right here at the front of the auditorium this morning that would love to explain to you how you could know for sure that you've trusted Jesus. That your joy may be full. That's what John wrote about in 1 John. That we can know 
for the joy of God. So in a moment, we're going to stand, and in a moment, we're going to sing. And if, if you would like to know and trust Jesus, with everything I have this morning, I would say, please, take a step of faith, walk down here, shake one of our hands, and say, I want joy. For the rest of us this morning, maybe this week, maybe this month, maybe this year, the burdens keep to be, keep to be piling up. Maybe the last few weeks, maybe the last few months, your eyes have begun to focus on the burdens, not the blessings. And I want to encourage you this morning, if that's you, to, to come down to the altar this morning to pray and just say, God, help me to focus on the blessings, not the burdens. Scripture tells us that we should cast our cares, cast our burdens upon him because he cares for us. And so maybe this morning is to walk forward and just to symbolize you casting your cares upon him is to come to the altar and say, God, thank you for my salvation. Thank you for a wonderful church. God, I'm giving you these burdens back. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you are God and that you are good. If you'd like for some of us, one of us to pray with you, we'd be glad to do that. But if you just want to pray alone this morning, just come and kneel. You can come sit on the first row if you would like. That's more comfortable. We're not going to interrupt you, but if you'd like to pray this, we would love to do that. I'm going to ask you to stand as I pray. God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Christmas. We thank you for Jesus and that he was willing to humble himself. That at the name of Jesus, we can have salvation. And God, I pray this morning that those in the room today that could not answer yes to question number two, that you would give them the courage to walk down the aisle this morning, to shake somebody's hand, say, I want joy. For those in here this morning that have walked in today with with heavy burdens, help them, Lord, to trust in your character, that you were God, and that you were good. Would you worship with me this morning? I have a wonderful song this morning. It's a spirit of prayer, but it's an opportunity to worship through this song today. If God has spoken to you, I encourage you to, to walk forward and Talk to God about it.